Hello, I'm James. Hi, I'm Jimmy. Welcome to A Job Done Well, the podcast about the world of work and how to improve the daily grind. Right, good morning. How are you doing? Hi, James. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How have you been? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you very much. My three saga goes on and on and on. I'm not going to tell you about it anymore. I cannot believe how inept these people are. It must be costing them a fortune. Anyway, over to you. Well, I am I am going to not talk about Zurich this week because, like you, I've I had enough. I've got two TV recommendations no, you? for you this week. One is Traitors. Claudia Winkleman presents amazing TV. Everyone should watch it. Yeah, it's like like an adult version of Love Island. Then, is well, that funny what you're enough, that isn't my second recommendation. Yeah. But Love Island All Stars started started this week. But the other one that you should watch, in all seriousness, is the one about the Postmasters. Yeah, I've the, been uh, reading about this in Anna the paper. Bates. Oh, it's absolutely incredible story. It's so well done, but it will have you frothing after about five minutes and yelling at your TV after about ten. Yeah, it's an absolute case study on how not to manage anything, I think. So, what are we going to talk about this week? This week, we're going to talk about what often is the number one thing that people do to improve performance. Oh, yeah. And what's that, then? Well, we're not going to unveil it yet. We're not going to unveil it? Tell us a story, James, and unveil it. The unstory. Ah, okay. Well, the story goes like this. There's a guy, and he goes into a new job. He's just been reorganised and he's got the top job. And he walks into the office and the previous incumbent of the job is busy there, he's packing his crates. And he says, oh, I'm glad you're here. And he hands over the new guy three envelopes. Right. And the new guy says, well, what are these three envelopes for? And the um, previous incumbent of job says, well, these are the three things you need to know to be successful in your job. He says, when the things start to go wrong, as undoubtedly they will, Open envelope one, then move on to envelope two, and then move on to envelope three. And the new guy said, oh, all oh, right, thank you very much. So anyway, the old guy shovels off with his, with his cases and his bags of stuff, and the new guy starts to get his mind around the job. And of course, it's a reorg, so after the first two or three weeks, everything's new and exciting. But then things start to go a little bit wrong, because they always do. And he's thinking, what am I going to do? And he opens his dress drawer, and he finds these three envelopes. So he opens the envelope with number one written on it. Right. And the instruction on envelope number one, the letter in envelope number one is, blame me, blame the previous incumbent of the job. Always always a popular way of doing things. I think both things brilliant. That's the way forward. I can blame him for all my woes. So he sets about, you know, bad-mouthing the previous incumbent of the job. That's and a that, shelf life, though. And Well, yeah, it lasts about three or four months, and after that you're not going too far. So he does three or four months of bad-mouthing the other chap, and things still aren't going terribly well. But he finds envelope number two, so he thinks now's the time. So he opens envelope number two, and inside envelope number two is the instruction, have a reorg. Aha. Well, I think it's brilliant. That's what I knew. That will solve all my operational woes. So he does an absolute, you know, throws everything in the air, sacks a few people, hires a few people, changes responsibilities should do the job perfectly. You see it a lot in number 10 Dining Street, by the way. And And after about three, four months, you know, things aren't going terribly well still. He looks inside the um, the desk and there's envelope number three. He thinks, hallelujah, here I am. 
So he opens envelope number three and he opens it and he looks inside and it says, go out and buy three envelopes. Oh, nice one. So there you go. That is the secret to management success. So today we're going to talk about that secret, the restructure, the reorganisation. Organisations just always use this as a tool to try and solve problems. So how many reorgs do you think you've been through in your career then? I think I think it was almost constant because there are phases, a little bit like the, the three envelopes. Yeah. I think that you're in a constant cycle of either thinking about reorg or designing a new structure or the next phase then is you're into implementation yeah. of a new structure and then once you've implemented it, you're picking up the pieces from it. Yeah, there's another stage, which is the explaining why the reorg didn't work stage. Yes. Yeah. So overall, though, you're talking about once every 18 months to three years, I would have thought so. I'd have thought so. Every couple of years, you have to have a reorganization. You have to look at your structure. When things aren't going right to the envelopes again, you know, things aren't going right. The first thing you do is restructure. So why do you think it is the thing that people jump to? Why is it the ubiquitous management tool? People think it's going to solve a whole host of problems and they use it to solve capability issues. They use it to often solve people issues. So if you've got somebody who shouldn't be there rather than dealing with an individual, I've seen organisations do complete restructures to get rid of one person. Yeah. And generally, underperformance. Why are, th- why are organisations, why are teams underperforming? It's because the structure's not right. Yeah. And rather cynically, I do think that there is an element of it is the easiest way to take cost out of an organisation. If you restructure and get rid of a load of people, it will save you some money and it will make your financial results look better. It's just what happens afterwards is the question. The other thing, though, I think is a downside is you're just looking at one part of the system. So you're only pulling the people lever you're not looking at your supply chain, you're not looking at your infrastructure, you're not looking at your sales strategy, all of those things going by the by, you're just looking at the people lever. And I think it's worse than that, James, though, because although you are looking at the people lever, what you're actually doing is just looking at a job role in a structure and stuff like that. And so therefore, the upside you might get is probably eroded by the downside of the distraction and the uncertainty. And what are the costs of that then? Well, they can be all sorts, can't they? I mean, it's a massive distraction for people. Yeah, people are scared that they've got a job or not. Yeah, exactly. So can you imagine, I mean, you're an analyst, but I'm not even sure that you could quantify the underperformance that organisations have because people are uncertain about the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing for employee engagement at all, maybe a link point, but really difficult to get engaged with your work when you're worried about your future. And then I suppose there's also the, after the event, there's just that uncertainty and people sweeping up and trying to work out how to, to solve things. Yeah, and people learning new jobs, going up the learning curve, experiencing you know, new stuff. I think a lot of these reorgs are done just to save costs because somebody's got a target to hit. And the way you do that is you sack your experience. So you probably throw out a load of experienced stuff that you maybe do not want to be having to retrain for anyway. But... Let's not be cynical, James. Are there, do you think, any times when it does add value? I think it does. I think, I think the problem is organisations use it willy-nilly to solve all sorts of problems. 
But I do think it can help you if you if you don't have the right capability. I think you know shaking stuff up often does really help. I think you get the kind of bounce immediately after yeah. a restructure. You know, everyone's excited about the new structure. Breathing all, a sigh of relief. Yeah, the sigh of relief. I've got a new job. I've got a job. I think sometimes that will improve performance in the short term. I think sometimes people get opportunities they might not otherwise get in yeah. because a restructure comes along. So I think in the short term, they often at least improve performance giving the the effect of solving the problem but they don't really get to the root cause yeah it's a bit of a blunt stick isn't it there is almost an element of i've got to do something and this is the easiest thing for me to do so i'll have a reorg now if you've got to have reorgs then i suppose there is a question which is which structure is the best structure because you can go all sorts of ways around this now i will go as a process guy i think i would go decentralized by which I yep. may have your things facing the customer. Because if you think about it, the organization that you want or the structure you want, yeah. get that to follow your purpose. The, so if you structure towards the customer and structure towards your purpose, you stand the best chance of succeeding. But do you buy that or not? Well, yes and no. So I think structuring in line with a, a process or your customer journey is one way of thinking about it. I think you also see people thinking about centralizing stuff and at what level in an organization do you centralize things. You can have things functionally, i.e. by expertise. So you have your claims teams together, your marketing teams together. You can have it divisional. So, you know, to chop your organization into a number of divisions. Um, you can have a, a holacracy where you've got authority decentralized out into all oh, your what? sorry holacracy exactly look mm-hmm. out James yeah. yeah or what organizations often do they take a little bit of all of those yeah. and put it into a, a kind of hybrid approach so I, th- I don't think personally in my experience of doing dozens of restructures and trying all sorts of things there is a silver bullet in terms of what's the right structure to have I think it depends on on really on your context yeah I think again rather cynically the right structure depends on where you happen to sit in the organization and where you think you can amass the most power but coming back to it you know classic example is there a right or wrong way of doing it it's a bit like the story of the sharks and the dolphins yeah what's that well so a shark is a fish and a dolphin is a mammal biologically they're quite different types of creatures altogether but what's really interesting about them is not what they're innate structure is but how they've evolved to live in their environment and so they've both evolved to be a very similar sort of size and shape and gone to the top of the food chain they're the ultimate predators in the sea but they didn't do that by worrying about their structure they worried about all the different adaptions and evolutions and that's how they got to that point so i think there is a little bit about not so much worrying about the structure per se but making the structure work for you yeah no i agree James I I think a couple of things one people try and solve all sorts of problems by restructuring whereas actually focus on what's what's the real solution to the the problem often isn't the structure and also I think you just got to pick your poison there's lots of different things you could do yeah just pick your poison and then optimize around that and make sure that things really work so a good example of that a few years ago I was running an an operation that reported into 
one of the business lines. Yeah. But it wasn't owned by the business line, so it was a functional setup where it sat with the chief operating officer. And the business line wasn't happy about that. They mm. wanted to own it. Often that happens. People want to own things. They don't trust that someone else can deliver for them or better. Uh, anyhow, it was accepted that that was the structure, but they weren't happy about that at all. So I spent a lot of time understanding what they really wanted, what they really needed, and making them feel like I was part of their team. And actually, they got over the fact that the structure wasn't set up in the way that they wanted it. They didn't have control over it. They were getting the results they want in the way that they wanted. They were all right with it. So the structure stopped being a distraction to performance. Yeah. And actually, we just accepted it and optimized our ways of working around it. Yeah, and that's interesting. And as a process guy, whenever I go into an organization, the places where all the inefficiencies are, all the cost savings, all the opportunities, it's invariably when you go from one part of the organization to the other. And I think it's a lot to do with your point, trust. Yeah. yeah. There's a bit of an academic theory there as well. So if you look into systems thinking, the systems thinking guys will talk about three levels of a system. And the first one they talk about is purpose. What's your system there to do? The second one they talk about is interactions. So how do the parts of the system work together? And then the final bit is the parts of the system. And their point is, if you really want to improve performance, focus on purpose first, then look at the interactions, and actually moving the component parts about reorganizing people and roles. It's a bit like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. But that kind of ties in with what you've said, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we have purpose. What are we here to do for our customers? And then interactions, a lot of that is just about how well you get on with the people around you, but passing information around, making sure that your processes work smoothly, stuff like that. People spend loads of time restructuring around the components of the system when actually you don't need to do that it's a really blunt stick what's the problem you're trying to solve yeah, that's that's fair but i think if you are going to yeah. reorganize i think there's a couple of things to, to think about and i i genuinely think you should only do it if it is going to solve the problem that you have yeah rather than thinking it's the panacea for all, all ills but i would say don't be half-assed about it what i've seen quite a few times is people design a structure and then they think James won't like that role or he won't want to report to that person or some other form of what yeah. people's preferences are. So then they start messing around with it and right, that keeps James happy, but it's completely suboptimal for how the, the structure is set up. And I've seen that happen a few times, so don't be half-assed about it. I think also, yeah, another good example of, of that, when we worked together previously, we were set up functionally. Yeah. But then they decided they were going to have process owners that, to your point, that owned the end-to-end -end journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you had a process owner, but we were set up functionally and they never changed the actual structure. So all they did is add a layer of complexity by having these process owners who were trying to work across all the different functions to get the job done. Yeah. And all it did, because they had no authority to do that, yeah. the authority sat in the business areas so all it did is pissed everyone off and created a whole load of noise and frictional cost within the organization and i think you're right a lot of these reorgs there's a whole host of just confusion about roles and responsibilities yeah. and people jumping up and down in each other's puddles and it's just messy there is another upside though of course what's that you keep your people in hr employed 
That's true, actually. You know, there are people throughout the globe, no doubt, in HR who are running restructures for organisations. I wonder if their time might be better spent on other parts of developing talent and if they shouldn't be counselling senior leaders other ways of improving performance. Yeah. But as you say, keeps them in a job. Absolutely. And then, of course, the sad truth is that it's very unusual to have a restructure without there being some redundancies involved yeah I, well i have restructured i have been restructured yeah likewise i think we both experienced both sides of of that coin yeah i worked on one project once it was called project hessian what was that oh, bloke looked at me and said oh it's a type of sacking oh, very good james if you are going to go through that are there any tips on the way to get rid of people yeah i think having been on both sides of that experience it is both a scary unpleasant and liberating experience depending on how it happens so as a leader I think I've always been focused when I've had to do that sort of stuff on doing things the right way so treating people you know really humanely understanding their perspectives trying to help them understand what's going on communicating really clearly and openly with them helping them think positively about the future so do it the right way rather than just push people out the door because you have to remember that those people a i think you want them to get on with their lives and do well but b they will either be advocates or not for your organization oh yeah so i have been reorged twice um one organization that reorged me i cannot say enough good things about them the other organization that reorged me i cannot say enough bad things about them but you're not allowed to say no, those bad absolutely things absolutely not yeah not on social media so i suppose you come to the question then if it's a bit of a pointless exercise or we think it's a bit of a pointless exercise what should you do instead what's the better way and i think one of the things really is minimizing the conflicting objectives being clear about purpose and that way you get rid of load of the frictional cost um, you're always going to have a matrix so make that matrix work um, focus on the internal customer and if you sit aside from them be part of their team you know help fix their problems no, i think that's right james just to pick up on your your point about the matrix i do think that's a really under underappreciated skill that people have because I think as you rightly say organizations whatever structure they they operate in they always have some form of matrix because ultimately you have to get some stuff done through somebody who isn't in your direct yeah. control unless you're the CEO yeah that's a reality so being able to work where you don't have authority relies on you know, negotiation skills relationship skills communication empathy EQ, all of those things. And I think that that ability to work in a matrix and get the job done, we don't have authority, is an undervalued skill. Yeah, I worked for a guy once and I was moaning about the structure and he, he looked at me rather blankly and he said, yeah, James, but you're either going to have cross-functional processes or cross-process functions. You can't win, get on with it. And you need to make what you've got work. So where does that take us then? In summary, the art of the reorg. So I think the reorg is almost or, or always the number one thing that people try and do to solve all manner of problems. So it's an always-on activity. Yeah, and 
it just upsets people. It puts people in a position where they're scared, they're worried about their job, and consequently performance will fall. It rarely actually solves the problem that you were trying to solve in the first place. Yeah, a very blunt stick. So the solution really is pick your poison, choose a structure, and stop messing about. Optimise around your overall purpose. Reduce the barriers that stop people working together. And build those matrix management skills. And maybe most importantly of all, if you are going to restructure some people, do it humanely. Right, I'm glad we've put that one to bed. Good work. Hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you've got any questions for us, then as ever, feel free to drop us a line at jimmy at ajobdonewell.com or james ajobdonewell.com. And if you like the episode, please feel free to, to share it with someone and uh, give us a positive review online. Thank you for your time. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Cheers now. If you'd like to find out more about how James and I can help your business, then have a look at our website, jobdonewell.com.